You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. I'm Jason, Pastor Jason, and I'm happy to um, have this opportunity to share with you today. Today we're going to start off our time, uh, sermon time, with something that's rather unique. It's a children's story. We don't always do this, but sometimes you've got you to gotta throw something, you know, just really out of the blue in there. What do you do with an idea? How many of you ever heard of this book? Anybody ever heard? A few of you have heard this book. Some of you probably like this book. That's where we're going to start today. How, what do you do with an idea? And I just want to read it. And hopefully you can see some of it up there. And then um, if you like it, you can always, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get your hand on it. Here we go. What do you do with an idea? One day, I had an idea. Where did it come from? Why is it here? I wondered, what do you do with an idea? At first, I didn't think much of it. It seemed kind of strange and fragile. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just walked away from it. I acted like it didn't belong to me. But it followed me. I worried what others would think. What would people say about my idea? I kept it to myself. I hid it away and didn't talk about it. I tried to act like everything was the same as it was before my idea showed up. But there was something magical about my idea. I had to admit, I felt better and happier when it was around. It wanted food. It wanted to play. Actually, it wanted a lot of attention. I just got a puppy this last week. That kind of sounds like a puppy. It grew bigger, and we became friends. It sh- I, or I showed it to other people. Even though I was afraid of what they would say, I was afraid that if people saw it, they would laugh at it. I was afraid what they would think it was silly, and many of them did. They said it was no good. They said it was too weird. They said it was a waste of time, and that it would never become anything. And at first, I believed them. I actually thought about giving up on my idea. I almost listened to them. But then I realized, what do they really know? This is my idea, I thought. No one knows it like I do. And it's okay. And it's okay if it's different and weird and maybe a little crazy. So I decided to protect it, to care for it. I fed it good food. I worked with it. I played with it, but most of all, I gave it my attention. My idea grew and grew, and so did my love for it. I built a new house, one with an open roof, where it could look up at the stars, a place where it could be safe to dream. I liked being with my idea. It made me feel more alive, like I could do anything, It encouraged me to think big and then to think bigger. It shared its secrets with me. It showed me how to walk on my hands because, it said, it is good to have the ability to see things differently. 
I couldn't imagine my life without it. Then one day, something amazing happened. My idea changed right before my very eyes. It spread its wings, took flight, and burst into the sky. I don't know how to describe it, but it went from being here to being everywhere. It wasn't just a part of me anymore. It was now a part of everything. And then I realized, what do you do with an idea? You change the world. The past several weeks, as we've been worshiping together, our sermons have really had this, an undercurrent that has been flowing through them. And the undercurrent is this, to be bold. Be bold when you come to a place in your life when you're afraid. Be bold in your life when Jesus shows up and he, he calls you out of the boat that you've been riding along in. Be bold when the Holy Spirit begins to stir in you and asks you to say things or do things that are, well, uncommon. Be bold in prayer. Be bold when there's a place in your life where you need to go into the place of spiritual warfare in prayer. Today, we like to put before us because we think God is doing this. This idea that we need to be bold with ideas. We need to be bold with the gifts of God that he has entrusted to us. There are things that, that are all around us, ideas all around us, ideas that are planted deep inside of us that we need to be bold with and we need to begin to put into action. This book is kind of a bold thing to do, isn't it, to read a kid's book? kind of out on the edge, a little out of at least my comfort zone. I don't know if it's out of your comfort zone, but a little out of my comfort zone. You're good with it back there, Ron? I like that. Be bold. Well, as we, uh, as we looked at this book, first and foremost, we had to think, what is, that, what is really rising up out of that book? Where's that book linked in? What is, what's that linked into within the story of God? What's God doing with that? We begin to think about how God... All, in all kinds of different places, he gives ideas to people, right? You look through the, the text of the Old Testament and you begin to see how God gives ideas to people like Joseph. Or he gives ideas to somebody like Esther. And people have to be bold with an idea that comes to them that they're uncomfortable with. And then in the Gospels, two different places, in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells a parable or, or a description really about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And sometimes we've looked at these things as like um, at this, this description simply around the idea of talents or around resources. But I'd, as I read a text from Matthew 25, I'd like to encourage you to think about what is it if God gives us ideas? Um, Jesus says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and trusted his money to them while he was gone. And he gave five bags of silver to one and two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on a trip. The servant who had received five bags of silver began to invest the money 
and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now imagine if those were ideas that are given. You ever buried an idea? Ever put it in the ground? After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they'd used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you give me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. Then the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you even more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags to invest, and then I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. And they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what the little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into utter darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This text, a story you've probably heard it. You may be familiar with it. Every time I hear this text or encounter this text, I begin to think about when I was a little kid in Sunday school. And they talked about how we're all given some sort of talents. And, or some sort of resources. And I remember one day they came and they gave us all a $1 bill. And they said, now go see what kind of return you can get on a $1 bill. Uh, I was born some time ago. A $1 bill could buy you about one bottle of Pepsi and one whatchamacallit. That's what a dollar bill could get you. But it couldn't get you much more than that. And I was like, what are you supposed to do with a dollar bill? Supposed to come back with some sort of stuff, you know, generate something out of it. When the master that Jesus talks about gives a, some talents, bags of talents, N.T. Wright, the New Testament scholar, says each bag of talent was worth about 15 years worth of, of earnings. So the master comes and he gives an idea. The book asked, where does an idea come from? Ultimately, really good ideas come from God. Where does an idea come from? Really good ideas come from God. And God is... As Jesus describes it, God is manifest in his goodness and boldness and giving ideas to people. Even if you just get one bag of talents, you get this, or one, one big idea from God, you've got something enormously valuable. God comes along and he gives his, his ideas to us, to you, to me. Why does God give us ideas? Why does God give ideas to the people of the Old Testament? Why does he give ideas to us? Because God's business, God's, God's interested in the world. God loves this world. Not only does God love this world, but God works with all of his might 
for the redemption and restoration of this world. And just like the master comes along and he gives things to his servants, God gives ideas to us because he longs for us to be co-creators, co-labors with him in his enterprise that is present in this world. And so God comes along and he, all kinds of places and ways, he gives us ideas. But we have, we have choices to make, right, with the ideas that come to us. We can be like the two of the servants in the story that Jesus talks about, where they take the gifts that have been given to them and they put them into motion, they put them into action, and lo and behold, things grow up out of their, their endeavors, things that they don't even understand, but they're able to give some return, in fact, a double of return back to the master. And then there's the one person, the other servant, who's given one bag of, of talents, one bag of silver. And he buries it. Now he tells the master that he, he knows that the master is seemingly harsh. Interesting to me that the other two servants don't make any comment about what they think of the master. But this person is, is reading into who the master is. This person has a perception of who the master is. And so he buries the talent, or she buries the talent. She buries it and she lets it lay until the master returns. As if something will grow up out of nothing, but it won't. It stays where it's at. The master, in this story, is really telling us that if you want to know what God is like, God is somebody who celebrates people who take a risk, people who have faith, people who put things and ideas and resources into motion, into something that is bigger than them, into something that they don't quite fully understand, but they go for something big. God is celebrating risk-takers. You ever think that um, you ever think that taking a risk is too big for you, too broad, too costly? Well, Jesus doesn't, because the kingdom of heaven is something that God is willing to put in motion and to risk everything He's got for. The kingdom that is good and bold and beautiful and good, and truthful. Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are willing to risk everything for. And so Jesus comes along and he tells a story about people who take a talent or a resource or an idea and they put it in motion and they bring a return. Now, all of us have ideas we have all kinds of ideas that come floating through our mind. How can we know that an idea that comes along is something that God has in mind for us? That it's something that we're supposed to put into motion. How can we know that an idea that comes along is, is of God or not of God? A year ago, I was, I was thinking about some of the land that I live on. And I began to think about what, what could I do on this land other than just grow grass and have to mow? 
I said to my wife, how about we grow some barley? She said, for what reason? I said, well, <clears throat> we ought to do something other than that, other than just grow grass, we have to mow it. She looked at me, she said, you wanna grow barley? No, it's a bad idea. We all have ideas from time to time. And sometimes our spouse is the person who helps us hear whether ideas are, are you know, good and from God or not from God. If it's a talent we have. She said, everything we've tried to grow on this land doesn't grow. Why are we going to try and grow barley? Just let it grow grass. But there are a number of ways where we can test the ideas that come to us. Whether they are, in fact, a talent that has been given to us, an idea that's been given to us from God, or if it's just something that we've, we've ginned up on our own or something that comes from somebody else. One of the ways that we can test our ideas is that it's something that Jesus would do or something Jesus did. And if we're really going to know if it's something that Jesus would do or something that Jesus did, we're going to have to immerse ourselves within the stories of Jesus, aren't we? We live in a time and place where you can, you can almost find all kinds of things that Jesus would endorse in, within our culture. At least people think Jesus would endorse within our culture. I mean, if you've got an idea and you just, you want it to go, just put a fish symbol around it or have Jesus holding on to it with a thumbs up sign. And it's like, it's good, but it's not good. Because oftentimes we're just taking our, our concepts of Jesus and we build our own understanding of who Jesus is and we want Jesus to bless our thing. But sometimes we have to go and we have to really read who Jesus is. We have to understand who he is. We have to know him for who he is. We can't make him in our own image. We can't make Jesus in our own image. We have to be made in his image. We have to learn his ideas by being immersed in who he is. So is it something that Jesus did or would he do? I think when we look at Jesus, one of the things that just pops me as we look at Jesus, it, it pops out to me, it's that Jesus goes to uncomfortable places, and he blesses people that are often overlooked, almost all the time overlooked. And so if you have an idea that goes to places where most people don't want to be and blesses people that are often overlooked, you've got an idea that is, is in the line of Jesus. Another question you could ask is, does it reflect God's kingdom? And you know, we have more in the pages of scripture than just the stories of Jesus, but we have the story of God's kingdom at work across pages of history. And again, we have to take time and we have to be people who immerse ourselves with the stories of God, the, the story of the kingdom of God from Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation. We have to be people whose hearts and minds are being shaped by the goodness of God and by the character of God. Does it reflect? Does an idea reflect God's kingdom? Another way that we can test our ideas is um, John Wesley had something he called the general rule, and it's a, a rule that shaped Methodists. And if you want to read more about John Wesley's general rule, you can just take out your phone and you can Google it right now, and you can pull it up and read it later. What is John Wesley's general rule? It's, it's There's a, a short handle version of it, and then there's a little longer version of it. But John Wesley had Three rules on whether or not a life or an idea or a talent was really being directed by God. Do no harm, do good, and attend to the ordinances of God. 
But oftentimes, and all of those things can, can help uh, determine whether an idea comes from God and if it's being directed by God. In my own life, sometimes I found that God has a way of giving me an idea or giving an idea that is really of him in, in what I have evidently called, at least at some point, in the valley of brokenheartedness. In the valley of brokenheartedness. In those places where life is really tough and you really don't know where to go and you don't know where to turn to, God seems to show up. God seems to have an idea that is like of him. When you've run out of yourself, you've run out of your own strength, you've run out of your own passion, you're like, Lord, what do you want to do in my life or what do you want to do in this world that is a, that's significant, that's of you? Oftentimes, it's in the valley of brokenheartedness, whether it's your own broken heart or the broken heart that's taking place in somebody else, that God begins to speak and he begins to say things because what God is really after, the redemption and reconciliation of the world, the restoration of the world, his ideas are present in those places. Recently, I was talking with somebody who was notified that their job was going to be downsized at a major corporation. And they're really struggling with what is the next step? What does the next step look like? And they were wondering what kinds of resources, you know, I might have. And I went to my shelf and I pulled off Sean Eskinosi's book. Um, oh, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the title right now. I shared the book with them, Meaningful Work. Because I said, you know, the center of this work, really at the outset of this work, is Sean's own story of being in the valley of brokenheartedness. And it's having to listen to what God wants to do and what, how God wants to shape his own life and make his life impactful. It's in the valley of brokenheartedness that God often speaks. And he has ideas. And then he gives you ideas that they begin to follow you around. And they begin to ask for your attention. And there are things that you can't shake. You can't just walk away from. They're like a little puppy. They ask to be fed. So what do you do with those things? Can you begin to be bold with the ideas that God gives to you? How do you do that? Um, a couple weeks ago when I was preaching, I put up a picture of Pastor Jim, who was away on sabbatical, and he sent me a text. He said, I heard you used a picture of me, and I would ask that you use something a little more flattering. So today I brought something a little more flattering. <laughs> a little uh, fat head of Pastor Jim that was made for another event. But Pastor Jim... Yes, you can laugh. <laughs> make sure you, if you have his number, make sure you text him. Say he appeared again. Um, a while back, Pastor Jim began to notice that there was a game that was arising up in people of his own generation. And it was pickleball. People all around his, his age were playing pickleball. When he'd go away on vacation, people were playing pickleball. And he began to think about pickleball and what place pickleball could have 
in his own life, his own connection to other people. But really, he began to think about, is there something with pickleball that God would, would want to use and develop? And so Pastor Jim began to just sort of stew on that idea. He began to think, what would pickleball look like here at Schweitzer? And he began to share that idea. He shared it with some of us. Jake, did you understand what pickleball was? Do you, still, do you understand what pickleball is today? Sort of, kind of. Some of us were rather skeptic. We're like people in the book. He'd share that idea and we're like, I don't know, you know, like you're asking people to change their swing and all kinds of things. He's like, no, I'm just asking people to play. And he began, he kept sharing that idea and other people got around him and they got energized about that idea. And they're like, pickleball, pickleball can really matter. So last year, before the gym floor was redone, People went in because they were energized around pickleball and they began to think about how could pickleball not only be a game of fun and entertainment and exercise, but how could we begin to connect with others? Others who need to be connected to good places, beautiful places, beautiful things, really be connected to the kingdom of God. And so he ran with it. And this past year, pickleball has been one of the things that's been happening here on this campus on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, people are playing pickleball. What do you do with an idea? He began to talk about it, share about it. What other ideas have taken place around here? Some of you know that we have a house on our campus called the Coach House. And the Coach House rose up. Um, it's a house that, that is close to us. And we call it a transitional house where, where three women who are transitioning from some place in their life to a more permanent place of, of residency, have three to six months of a, of a programmed life, and they get to stay in this house, and they get connected with a mentor and, and many other things. But the coach house really rose up out of an idea that, you know what, there is a need for transitional housing in our community, in the broader community of Springfield. And we don't know that we can meet the need for everybody, but don't we have some houses? Doesn't Schweitzer own a house or two that could be used for something like this? And that idea just began to stew. And when the idea began to stew and the conversations began to be had, nobody could imagine that the house would be used the way it is right now. There was one idea and then it kind of turned and it became another idea. It began to take flight and it began to grow. And today, Coach House has ministered to a number of women who have needed a place for a certain period of time, who needed a program, and begins to take flight. What kind of ideas have you been having? What kind of ideas are stirring up in you? What kind of ideas are present that you think God is beginning to give to you? Do you ever think that an idea is good, but you wish you had more years to work on it? Do you ever think that there are things that limit your ideas? I was uh, taken back in the early part of May as I was listening to a show on National Public Radio, I don't know, driving some, somewhere, and they were talking about Sheila Nevins. Sheila Nevins is 80 years old. And MTV, when, when I was just a young t 
teenager was music television, but MTV's kind of morphed into a lot of different things. And, and they want to they want to connect with young people in a new way again. And so MTV's decided that they need to put together a documentary portion of their, of their enterprise. And Sheila Nevins has done really well at HBO on crafting documentaries. So in this new idea, this new enterprise that MTV has going, who did they tap to lead their new documentary division? They reached out to Sheila Nevins. She's 80 years old. Maybe that doesn't surprise you. That set me back. And then they had a quote from Sheila along the way. She said, at my age, most people would think that I would be out to pasture or that I'd be gardening or I'd be taking pictures of my grandchildren, of which I have none, but I'm really not. I'm engaged in making a difference and will be until I lose it, and I haven't lost it yet. There you go. You see, if God gives you an idea, do you have to be a certain age to run with the idea? If God gives you an idea, if it's his gift, maybe he's just asking you to run with it. You may not know where it's going to lead or what it's going to look like in the end. But if he's got an idea that, that intersects with his passions of redeeming and reclaiming and restoring the world, well, run with it. Run with it. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know where, and you don't have to know all those things, what it's going to turn into. But at the end, brothers and sisters, isn't that what God's kingdom is about? That it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than all of us? And God takes these ideas and he plants them and he lets them grow. In fact, Jesus said, when we really plant the seed of faith, it grows into a big tree. It holds more birds than we could think of or imagine. It gives shade to people that we could never no, are going to be looking for shade. It gives life. What do you do with an idea? Well, you change the world.